This is 100 Eyes on Sports with Matt Zimmer and Brian Henschen, presented by Argus Leader Media. Each week, Zim and Hank will be talking sports, pop culture, and anything else happening now. Without further ado, here's Matt and Brian. Welcome to the podcast. Brian Henschen with Mick Gary this week. We're going to talk a little Coyotes football. Mick, how was Toledo? Uh, Toledo was great. It's a we stayed in a the downtown area right across the street from where the Mud Hens play. Oh, yeah. And the the Mud Hens uh, baseball park is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a total. You could really see. Uh, it's a triple A place versus uh, independent baseball here. Uh, big stadium, not major league by in any sense, but we you could walk by and and look at the field and the field was immaculate still. It's a week after the season ended. Uh, yeah, it was a cool little area, and I think t- I expected with Toledo, it's kind of one of those, you know, national jokes, maybe because of the mash with uh, Klinger being from Toledo and always making fun of it, but uh, I thought it was a pretty cool little town, at least, you know, not little, probably about 280,000, but good stuff there, yeah. Did you get to see the University at all, the Glass Bowl, their football stadium? No, I stayed in the downtown, downtown area. area. Yeah, I was on foot, yeah. and then... Bowling Green must be about a half hour or so, or 25 minutes from Toledo. What's Bowling Green like? Is it like a little quiet town? or? Yeah, I think it's about 30,000 people, uh, obviously defined by the university there, the, mm-hmm. sitting there. Uh, the, the football stadium is really nice, really orange. Uh, you know, it was definitely different than most of the stadiums you run into around here. Uh, and that looked like the you could just see where they play basketball, and that looked like a pretty cool place too. Uh, so yeah, and the football program there has been traditionally very good. I think this year there it's going to be a rough one for them. But yeah. but uh, all in all, I, you know, I've only been to Ohio a couple times, and so this was fun. Yeah. How about the outcome of that game, thirty-five twenty-seven? And from the looks of it on Twitter and following you and everything that was going on, was it really even that close? Well, they got up 21-3 at, uh, by the end of the first quarter, and it was they just looked like a better team. Bowling Green was not playing well. They gave up a, a kickoff. They fumbled a kickoff. They fumbled a punt. Uh, there was another pick in there. Um, it it was just uh, I think in a conventional sense, you know, there wasn't USD made some mistakes too. But I think just not being quite prepared for the level of play they were going to face with the Coyotes was was a factor in this one. And I think we tend to gravitate toward these emotional elements when we're sports writers and and fans uh, because these things are easier to understand than some of the technical stuff. But uh, I think in this case it, it applied that, that they just weren't ready to play a team as good as the Coyotes were going to play that day. Were you surprised by the outcome of that one? I thought it would be, it wasn't this spectacular upset. Mm -hmm. I mean, USD has had some struggles in the Missouri Valley, and that's well documented. Uh, And they have not been to a playoff as a FCS program and all these things. But they were only seven-point underdogs in that game, which doesn't make it an earth-shaking upset upset in my mind. I mean, the the other times, the the other big upsets I'd been a part of with USD at Minnesota, they must have been at you know, a 20-point dog in that one. And then uh, two years ago that when they went to Fargo and, 
and got the buys, and they were, I'm sure, anywhere from 15 to 24-point underdogs in that one. So this one I w wasn't quite as shocking to me. Uh, it, but you saw, I think, the, the key things you saw is that the things that USD really is zeroing in on as being issues last year that they had to get better at this year if they wanted to get better, win more games. You did see some what looked to be tangible improvements there with um, defending the run and just getting that offense a little bit slicker and being able to get some key first downs in in parts of the game where you really, really need them to, to uh, keep the momentum from swinging back. And those two things, uh, defending the run and uh, and getting key first downs when you need them, were, I mean, they were apparent in that game. And then as you mentioned in your story, um, they held on there late in the game too, whereas last year was a big problem, including in one game, the game we'll get to next, in the North Dakota game. Yeah, yeah, de yeah, definitely. There was a, there was a, uh, and who knows if they're going to be able to sustain it, but for this game, there were situations where last year at this time you had to doubt whether they were going to be able to measure up uh, and try and keep this a game where they were in control of the scoreboard uh, because Bowling Green did, did come back. Uh, they did continue to make some mistakes, penalties, just horribly stupid things, I thought, uh, at times that really hurt their cause. But overall, I mean, you had uh, Michael Frederick, who went, you know, in the fourth quarter, went for 17 yards for a TD. That was really the difference in the game. Uh, it, it was where the, it, the momentum stopped. And Bowling Green got a late touchdown, um, but uh, it, it was very unlikely that they were going to win that game at the point that they scored that touchdown. 14 penalties for 155 yards. For there, was, there was one deal. I don't know the guy who was involved in it, but okay. I'd never seen this before, to my knowledge. USD gets a five-yard false start offense. All right. Whistle blows. Dead. They just gave the Bowling Green defense five yards. Here they are, guys. We're giving you, we're going to push us back five yards from that first-round down marker. And then this dude comes in there and starts yapping a little bit, shoves a guy. <laughs> they get a 15-yard personal foul. On a, just a play that's nothing on going on. On a false start. Yes. <laughs> Goodness gracious. It's like, guys, how could you, you couldn't beat anyone playing like that. And other times that you could see that they were, um, you know, a MAC team and a, a bowl eligible program with, with some talented guys. But, uh, but against USD, they didn't really look like a team that was having a, this terrible day and, and in spite of all their capacity to physically dominate we're not getting it done it never looked like that mm -hmm. it looked like physical the physicality to use a word that i don't like you hear it a lot though in our business physicality uh but the aggressiveness whatever it, it, usd was their match in that regard too i thought mm -hmm. what have you seen from strevler so far through his i see uh and it's tough to gauge from that first game because they could have done anything they wanted i think to gain yards uh, what I've seen is maybe uh, 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 the will or the te a tendency to wait another half second to find his guy who's open rather than, okay, this play isn't shaping up real well in this first second and a half of it. I'm going to go, I'm going to run because I'm a good runner and I'm a strong runner and all this stuff. And a lot of times last year he got big plays out of that mentality, but there were other games 
where you could see that maybe they weren't taking advantage of this offense, uh, no huddle, all these things um, that, that they might have been if they had if they were a little better well versed in how to do things and, and more comfortable with it. And so far, I think that we've seen uh, Strebler just look a little bit more comf comfortable and using the pass as a way to kind of loosen up the pressure on everybody with um, hitting guys down the field and, and maybe not hitting that first guy all the time, but hanging in there for another half second and finding the second or third guy open. Uh, and that's how that, that offense, in my mind, is set up anyway, where you loosen up, you make it tougher to stop the run by having to get guys out of the, you know, out in the field or in areas where they're not going to be in position to make a, a tackle on a run. Mm -hmm. uh, and also I think you saw some times where the, you know, the rapidity of the, the offense where, you know, you don't, you don't have, the defense does not, if it's running well, the defense does not have time to set up exactly the way they want to set up for whatever they think is coming next. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you do, you see that line get back up to the line and you see them calling signals again and all of a sudden you can see that on occasions last week uh, the Bowling Green defense, their head was kind of spinning and they weren't quite prepared for whatever they were going to get. And sometimes it didn't work out, but other times it really seemed like having to get back, line up right away, and USD is in control, and the offense knows exactly what it's going to do in this next second and a half. They're all lined up and all this. That that was the advantage that the offense is intended to have, and we probably didn't see as much of that last year. Yeah, so are they getting to the line even faster than they were last year and getting like set up and going? Do you notice? Is it like a noticeable difference for you? I, I think they're maybe a little bit. I think more so that if they go on the quick count, and sometimes they don't, sometimes they'll act like they're gonna, and then they'll be, then they'll look and see a play, and pick up a play, and then and then run the play. But I think that overall, in those instances where you can tell if we run a play right away here, and we know what the hell we're doing, there's a, we definitely have an advantage in those instances, and that doesn't happen every, you know, on every down, but. I saw. It seems like I saw. I've seen seeing more of that than I did a year ago, especially against a good team. What should be a good team, mm -hmm. uh, like Bowling Green, that uh, it's like okay, we get back up to the line right now, and we run this play because we know what we're doing, and they don't know. And that little wrinkle in that offense that can, like I say, it can be a, a real advantage if you're if used correctly. I think that those situations are going to come up more often this year. Is that is that style of offense? Is that pretty standard in the valley, or is that unique to USD and a few teams? Uh, there's a few teams. Not everybody runs that offense. It's mm -hmm. obviously a very popular college offense. Right. No huddle, spread offense in the shotgun. Uh, I mean, you see it all over the country. Uh, but and, and obviously, you need you know, it's a pretty good offense. If Chris Strebler is back there and yeah. he's improved his passing a little bit. And you have to worry about him running, uh, which takes another defender, occupies the, the brains and the body of another defender. Uh, it can be really nice. And I think that going into this year, that the potential was there for this team to erase some of their problems just because their offense was not going to be adequate. It was going to be better than adequate. And I think the potential is there for that to happen this year. They, you know, you, you looked at who they had coming back, and other than Strebler, nothing jumped out at you. And it still doesn't. They have a ton of receivers, and some of them I think are pretty good. Uh, the running backs, uh, 
you know, they had no guy that gained a thousand yards last year, or, or anything like that, or, or no, no much anticipated recruit coming in, um, and, and I think that's still the case. But, uh, but you did see the potential there. If the line kind of got a little bit better and Strebler got a little bit more comfortable, that there were. They could be an offense that you really have to game plan for, and it, right now it looks like that might be the case. The ground game was a point of concern because if you can't run the ball, really, it's easy to key in on the pass. Does it seem like the Coyotes are a little more balanced or becoming more balanced? How do you read that side of the uh, I think it'll depend on the game. I think there'll be mm -hmm. a lot of games where they end up passing a lot more than they run, uh, and maybe if they had this you know, no-brainer all-conference running back on the team right now, it would be different, but I don't think they do. I think that it's going to be a situation where the pass is going to open up opportunities to run. Um, and Michael Frederick, the starter, is definitely capable of having a really good year, but he's just not a guy that to this point in his career has maybe taken your breath away like some of the running backs in the conference have. Um, but uh, I, I think that uh, the offensive line is so far had two really good games. Uh, in comparison to some last year, and they, we the defense line was maligned with USD and statistically um, earned you know last place the, the worst defense in the league last year. Uh, but I don't think that offensive line had a great year last year either, and that's where I think in these first two games it looks like they're going to be cap capable of a lot higher level of play. One last question for you on that FBS game against Bowling Green. Was there a huge size difference? Like maybe you'd see with like an Oregon or some of the other teams that played, or Kansas State, I guess. No, there's not. There was not. Yeah. And, and I this is the first MAC game I covered. Um, most of the, the Coyote games had been against teams that, where it was apples and oranges. These dudes are their third string is bigger, stronger, and faster than your first string. Mm -hmm. um, at least in some of those instances with uh, Wisconsin and Oregon and, thing, and uh, teams like that. But uh, I didn't see that in this one, uh, and uh, I, I really didn't see anything. You, obviously, there's some big dudes, and they had a couple linemen that were up over, you know, 325, which doesn't translate necessarily to being better. Um, uh, so I, I guess I didn't see that at that where you could just look at them running around and can tell they're better. Mm -hmm. These are better athletes. They, yeah. you, you try to recruit that kid, but you never get him. And they have a roster filled with guys like that, which is kind of how it looks in some of those uh, FCA or the, the ones I've covered with USD going up against some of the uh, major oh, colleges. Yeah. Uh, but there was not that feel at all in this one. Interesting. Um, for their efforts, the Coyotes cracked the top 25 at number 23. Is that the when's the last time that they were ranked? They were ranked. I don't. I just read something today that should be trustworthy that they have not been ranked. In the FCS era, mm -hmm. uh, there was there was probably a few times in there where they got some votes in the middle of the year where they had won a couple games in a row. Uh, two years ago, I think they were up to three one in the conference uh, and had beaten you and I on the road. I might have that wrong, but where they would have been sort of nearing the conversation, uh, but I don't think it's ever happened. Now this week they get number ten UND, which. As you have a story up online now about last year and what happened in the heartbreak, but it's something that the guys have moved on from. Um, how do you see this one playing out? The big thing, and I was just looking over uh, 
North Dakota. They have two great running backs with uh, John Santiago and Brady Oliveira. Uh, just really good running backs where uh, I don't know. I think they're good enough where the offensive line does not have to help them on every single play to get them yards. They're, they're really good. Um, and stopping those guys is going to, I think the whole game is going to go through that. If they can contain the running game, North Dakota's running game enough, uh, I think that would be, that'll be a huge part of this deal because it is a definite uh, Fighting Hawks strength. They have two guys, really good, all-conference level, big sky guys. Santiago, I think he's a two-time all-conference player. Uh, and Oliveira is having a great year so far. Uh, and uh, in his own way, as a real big play guy. Um, and they, you know, last year it seemed like when UND wanted to run, they were down by 20, so it wasn't something they could run crazy with. But um, definitely were capable of running on USD last year. And this is the, it'll be, they'll be the best two running backs I'm sure they'll see of the, the ones they've seen so far. Better, I would guess, better running game than Bowling Green had. Um, so this will be a real test for USD, given that it was such a weakness last year, and a, really a chance to show that the scheming uh, year and the system, and that all of these things have added up to them being much more capable of, of slowing down the run, because they they probably won't see any, certainly won't see a combination of running backs any better than these two guys, uh, and uh, probably not you know singularly either see anybody who's too much better. Uh, Santiago is, uh, you know, all-American candidate, a pretty strong one, uh, and obviously UND knows has figured out how to use those guys. So that'll be an interesting part of it. Offensively, how did the Coyotes match up? Because last year they were able to put up some points against yeah. uh, that <clears throat> defense. Yeah, and North Dakota's just shut out Missouri Valley, or excuse me, Missouri State, uh, thirty-four and nothing. So they're looking at a real tough defense they're going to have to deal with there. I think, given that it's at home, and given that. The Coyote offense looks pretty sharp so far this year. That they're going to be able to score some points. Yeah. Um, you know, if they can protect Straveler a little bit, um, they're going to be able to score some points. Um, so, but so I think it does. It will go back to the defense being the the people who are going to have to really shoulder the load here. It's hard to say too how legit that Missouri State offense is. I mean, they hung I think like thirty or forty on the zoo, but Missouri's defense is hot garbage. So well, yeah, and you don't this time of year you just don't know what right. you're seeing, and it's like the NFL last week. You know, you win a game. Did you just beat a, a pretty good team, or did you beat one of the worst teams in the league? Yeah. And you don't have that feel for any of this stuff this time of year, and so you you retroactively try to figure out what they did. You know, well, who did we beat? And you watch it every week to determine back in week two exactly what level were you playing at because what are, what's this team like now? Mm -hmm. You know, are, are, is Bowling Green, are, are they, they going to be losing every game by 45 points now that they get into the, and they have Northwestern this week, so they'll probably lose that one. But, um, you know, so how bad is Bowling Green? And then it, you don't really find out sometimes, I think, till six weeks later exactly what you accomplished that second or first week, uh, which is an interesting part of every college season, I guess. But uh, as far as USD is concerned, I don't know that they could have expected any better to this point, regardless of who they were playing. Yeah, I mean, the way that they've looked through a couple of games, I mean, to do what they did to Drake, obviously you're not sure how good Drake team is, but still, I mean, to 
hang the, that number of points on a college team is impressive no matter who. Yeah. You know, as long as you're still on that FCS level, not like an FBS doing it to an FCS team, but I mean even there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, this will be another one of those deals. It looks like North Dakota's legit, very good FCS team this year based on what they've done so far. Played okay the first loss, but played okay the first week against uh, Utah. Um, so, and this is this is a it's a really nice game because they get the week week off afterward, and but they're playing a team that's genuinely uh, Missouri Valley level team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think overall the the, the conferences are even. I think Missouri Valley's got a much better conference, and even so far, it's kind of borne that out. But um, but North Dakota, you know, they they after that game last year, they won eight straight games. They lost in the playoffs to Richmond, I think, at home. That must have been kind of a disappointing loss, given that they were at the Alaris Center. But uh, overall, played very well against their own kind. But a genuine Missouri Valley level team. Uh, so this is a real test, and I. Th- I kind of threw it out there before the year that this was going to be the test because they were going to, obviously they were going to win the first one, obviously they were, they were going to lose the second one, and then when they would go into this game against their own kind and kind of show what, you know, it, this would be a very good metric for the level of improvement from the year before. And that's still the case, it's just that there's, I guess, a little bit more buzz on USD side given that they didn't lose the second game. What do you think the crowd's going to be like? I know we talked about that a little bit coming down, but what are you looking forward to? Uh, Louder than normal? Bigger than normal, maybe? I think louder than normal. Uh, I think that they're coming off a a win that sparked maybe a little bit more interest than usual. Uh, And uh, it is a team, the team coming in is one that the the culture is familiar with, given that they've played them, I don't know, probably, I think like 60 times. It's here someplace. There's 70, 100 times. Let's see. 61, 29, and 5. 61, 29, and 5. So there have been a lot of ball games between these two teams. Uh, and uh, so I think that that will work in its favor too. Uh, student interest is always kind of a trouble spot if it's a really nice day and there's an opportunity to drink beer outdoors somewhere. That's really going to work against them, and it always has at that school. Well, if nothing else, maybe that number in front of USD, like that number 23 that they're nationally ranked, maybe that'll draw in the more casual fan because you see that, you're like, oh, well, I, if they're I, ranked. Yes, I think as the season goes on, that will definitely be the case. Yeah. This week, it'll be there'll be other factors involved, whether the weather, things like that. Mm-hmm. Good weather this time of year kind yeah. of works against them. Um, before we get out of here, we talk a little NFL if you want. Sure. Sam Bradford. Um, 346 yards, three touchdowns, and a win over the Saints. How'd you like the uh, look at the Vikings on Monday night? Well, here was the deal. Going into the year, you could kind of tell, I thought anyway, that if if you went up to an average offensive line versus one of the worst statistically in the history of professional football, that's overstating it a little bit, but that's essentially what the what he had in front of him last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you might see some more of his his attributes. And I think that maligning him last year for the number of short passes he threw, I think that's always going to be part of his shtick, part of the Viking shtick. But the real encouraging part was the downfield passes that he threw and how much they helped him in that game, how much they played a role in in taking control of that game as games that were, or passes that went down the field. And 
it really looked to me like if they protect him a little bit, he's going to have a very good year. His rookie season in St. Louis, he was great because they had a line. They had Steven Jackson there to carry the workload on the ground so they could mix it up a little bit. But he threw a beautiful ball. But then after that, yeah, it was just a shit show along the offensive line. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> he's, he just got battered around no, like nobody else. He's incredibly ill-suited to to have to deal with a line that is going to be suspect, suspect all the time. And there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that – you know, if you if you gave him a half second to throw, and and otherwise, you know, ha, they had to leave the pocket all the time, and then try to make something up. And there's a lot of quarterbacks, really good ones, that would not uh, thrive in those situations. And Brad and Bradford's one of them. Uh, but if you don't, if you let him do, give him a little bit of time and let him work on his strengths, accuracy, uh, just get it, quickness of release. Seeing, I think seeing receivers, uh, seeing the field pretty quickly, uh, then he's he's going to have some good games. The big thing with him will just be stay healthy because there was another season in St. Louis where it seemed like he's getting off to a pretty strong start, and I think it was a game in Carolina, I want to say, where he took a late hit along the sidelines, landed the wrong way on the sideline, like tore up his knee. And that was the end of his year, and the Rams just went back to the status quo of being awful. Yeah. But with that guy, it's just like you wrap him in bubble wrap and just pray. That he can stay healthy. <laughs> I think he's a real tough guy, based on the the games last year that were he kept getting up, and sometimes it was like he looked like you know a hundred and twelve year old guy trying to get up because he'd been battered the whole game. Uh, so I don't think anyone questions his toughness, but there's only so much of it you can take. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do they get this week? This week they they play at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh got a great home record over yeah. the years, and pretty good looks like a pretty good team this year. An interesting game against the Browns last week, uh, but uh, I don't know that it's one where you would. I'm sure the Pittsburgh's favored. I haven't looked at the yeah. spread, but I'm sure it's at least a, maybe less than a touchdown, but more than one point. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the defense, if the defense can continue to kind of assert itself, and they, you know, they gave up a couple points against New Orleans, but a lot of the time we're really rattling Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And you can rattle a guy like that. You're putting a lot of pressure on, on yeah. uh, Drew Brees if he's obviously lost out there. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, last question for you. you have a prediction for Saturday with the Coyotes, and I think the fact that it's in the dome uh, is going to make it a real tough game for North Dakota to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You know, I wrote up this week about what happened last year, and I don't think that it will have anything to do with it. The fact that they're trying to redeem themselves or any of this happy hogwash that we throw out there sometimes. Uh, I'd say that uh, you're looking at probably maybe like 24-17 like that. I I expect a real good game. 24-17 Coyotes on top? Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, that's what's going to happen Saturday. You heard it here first. We thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. It'll probably be me and Zim to talk some SDSU. But uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.